0: to the Plant Witch Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schreeder, owner of the Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? to agree on as practitioners of magic or witches, witchcraft is not a religion. It is a way of engaging the energies of the world as a powerful being who is a creator and a destroyer. When someone says they're a witch, to me that means they take responsibility for the power they have in the world, and they use that power with clear intent. One belief that many of us share, if not most of us, is the belief in animism. As witches, we see ourselves immersed in and surrounded by an alive and awake world made of energies that are conscious and participating with humans. Whether we acknowledge that and develop relationship with those energies or not, those energies are real. Animism is a term used to mean that the world is alive, that it is animated by a consciousness, that the beings around us, the trees, the stones, the animals, are not inert. They are not unconscious, but awake and aware and communicating with us. When we subscribe to the belief in animism, we acknowledge that our actions have an impact on a world that is conscious, that the animals that we eat are conscious. They have feelings. They have a purpose. They have a relationship to the world. They have their own destiny. We acknowledge that that is true. We acknowledge that the waters are conscious. They have their own purpose. They have their own destiny. They have their own awareness. The stones and the trees are conscious. When we move a stone from a place, we're interrupting its destiny. When we fell a tree, we're interrupting its destiny. We are acting upon its destiny. You cannot live in this world without interrupting and interacting with other conscious beings. Even if we just believe humans are conscious, of course, every action we take impacts the humans that we are interconnected to. And when we acknowledge animism as a real thing, that extends our circle of influence to be much, much wider, than if we believe only humans are conscious. This can become an extreme belief. I've heard stories of, I believe they were Jain practitioners who would carry a broom with them to sweep the ground in front of them and prevent them stepping on ants or caterpillars or any sort of unseen insect because they were so aware of the life around them and they were so careful to minimize harm. Of course, if that's a path that you choose to take in your practice of animism, I'm not here to judge that, but I do believe there needs to be a balance in all things. And our interconnectedness makes us responsible for our choices but it should not paralyze us from making choices. This belief in animism has been the foundational belief for many, many cultures throughout the world as far back in history as we have uh, records of. The animals, the weather, the waters, the land were all seen to be conscious, participatory, and offering their own teachings and guidance and lessons as part of the world that is alive and a larger community outside the community of humans. I decided to make this podcast episode centered around animism after I was repeatedly encountered by woodpecker Um, This is not the first time this has happened, but um, for the past two days, woodpecker has been coming to our windows and our doors and knocking, and um, these are different kinds of woodpeckers. It's not the same woodpecker. There's a downy woodpecker and a flicker and a yellow-bellied sapsucker. So it's not that there's just one woodpecker that's gotten it it, into its mind to try to get into our house, but several kinds of woodpecker who've been coming to the windows and the doors as an animist, as someone who believes that all of the world is conscious and alive. I believe that woodpecker is approaching me for a purpose that on a deeper than conscious level I am in relationship with Woodpecker, the essence of Woodpecker. And something is going on in my own personal experience in my own life that is calling for a reminder, a lesson, a teaching. And the energetic fabric of this world is answering that call by sending a messenger and that messenger is Woodpecker. When we first begin to engage the world of energy, and the sentience of the world around us. It can be hard to relearn the language of this world. It has not been taught to most of us. We don't know what the symbols mean in the way that we once did, in the way that cultures once passed on that knowledge. This makes me think of a quote that I read from Chief Luther Standing Bear. Luther Standing Bear was a Lakota man born in the Dakota territories in 1868. And he came to the Carlisle Indian School about 20 miles from my house here where I live where he was taught in the ways of the white man so that he could be successful in the white man's world. Chief Luther Standing Bear was one of the first students at the Carlisle Indian School. He was 11 years old when he came here. The first 11 years of his life, he was trained and raised in his tradition by his people. And he returned to his people after his time at the Carlisle Indian School. He had a very unique perspective, living fully immersed in both worlds, the worlds of the Native American and the worlds of the white man and his education. And Chief Luther Standing Bear wrote several books about his experiences. But one of the quotes that stands out to me the most is this one. He says, Wherever forests have not been mowed down, wherever the animal is recessed in their quiet protection, wherever the earth is not bereft of our four footed life, that to the white man is an unbroken wilderness. But for us, there was no wilderness. Nature was not dangerous, but hospitable not forbidding, but friendly. Our faith sought the harmony of man with his surroundings. The other sought the dominance of surroundings. For us, the world was full of beauty. For the other, it was a place to be endured until he went to another world. But we were wise. We knew that man's heart away from nature becomes hard. Chief Standing Bear had learned animism, that the world around him was alive, that it was hospitable, that it was something to harmonize oneself with, to stay close to, to listen to, to understand, to participate with. And what he saw from his education at the Carlisle Indian School was a man who was afraid. The white man was terrified of nature, of the wild, and believed it must be suppressed, dominated, and destroyed. And he saw how that would harden our hearts and make us capable of incredible cruelty. I believe that animism is medicine. It's a way to awaken our hearts and soften our hearts once again, for us to rejoin the web of life. And so we ask ourselves, how do we do this? It can feel like such a monumental, impossible task. Unlike Chief Standing Bear, most of us have not been raised in families or villages or traditions where we are taught that the trees are family, and the bears are family, and the water is family. And we're taught to understand their sounds and their patterns as a language that we can understand and participate with. So we are left sort of on our own to do this work. and. Finding a wise elder who knows this language and apprenticing ourselves to them is the ideal situation and unfortunately not available for many of us as these pockets of wisdom have become small and fiercely guarded. So for those of us who are doing it on our own or in groups together, trying to figure this out, trying to remember how to be here as humans on this earth in a way that is harmonious and cooperative and participatory with the sentience all around us. The best way, in my experience, is to immerse ourselves in nature as much as we can to observe the habits and the patterns of these animals at trees and waters firsthand. To be out there, listening to the sound of the wind and the leaves, listening to the sound the water makes as it tumbles over stones, listening to the calls of the birds and the deer, allowing nature to teach us because it will, it wants to. And we can gather help along the way. There are people like Ted Andrews who has worked hard to compile multicultural symbolism for animals um, as messengers or um, sort of uh, guides that emerge from the interconnected web of life to approach us. Ted Andrews has a book called *Animals Speak Um, where he's compiled a lot of information from across the world about different animals. So if those animals are showing up out of the web of life to bring you a message, the way Woodpecker has been for me, you can look in Ted Andrews' book to see what he has compiled as far as what cultures around the world believe that animal has meant to them as far as a language of, of guidance and lessons from the natural world. I believe that these symbols are uniquely personal and that the world's energy interacts with each of us in a uniquely personal way. And so the way one culture translates a message from Crow might be completely different than what that message means to you in your spiritual journey which is why it's so important to immerse yourself in nature and understand what those messages mean to you and what your relationship is with those energies. But until you're rooted in that knowing, having books like Animal Speak are a great way to learn and to begin to engage this idea and these energies. So if I look at Woodpecker, it's on page 206, Of animal speak and he begins by outlining the myth and mythology from around the world of this particular bird. He states that in European folk tradition the woodpecker was a weather prophet. Its drumming meant that there were changes coming in the weather. Well that would be relevant for me right now where I live. Um, autumn has really just descended on us. The leaves are changing and beginning to fall. There's a coolness in the air. The days are noticeably shorter. So yes, the weather is changing. that that is um, synchronous with the message I'm receiving from woodpecker. In Babylonia, woodpecker was the axe of Ishtar and was associated with fertility. In the Greek tradition, Woodpecker occupied the throne of Zeus and was considered sacred to the god of thunder. It was an oracle of Mars because the drumming was used to accompany battles. In another story, Circe fell in love with a woodland god named Pycus, and when he didn't love her back, she returned him to a woodpecker. And so the woodpecker represents this Jaded love. In the Native American tradition, he doesn't say which, you know Native American had there were so many different tribes and cultures within those tribes. And um, when we say Native American tradition, that's a huge blanket term that doesn't really tell us where the information is coming from. But he says, in in one of these traditions, or maybe many, The woodpecker is connected to the heartbeat of the earth itself. So this drumming is connected to shape-shifting and shamanism who use drumming to enter other dimensions. When we pay attention to the anatomy of woodpecker, its sharp beak, its precise use of its beak to get the tiniest insects out of the wood that gives us a a message of discernment and discrimination, healthy discrimination, weeding out what is important and leaving behind what is not. I also think of the idea of opportunity knocking. We have a saying here that when opportunity knocks, open the door and to have woodpecker pecking around our doors and windows, it feels very much like a message of opportunity coming. That is not in Ted Andrews book, but that is relevant to my cultural experience. And so I tell you all of this just as a story about how we can begin to engage the energies of the world around us. Whether it's an animal, a bird, a plant that keeps showing up. A river that is speaking to you that you just want to be at the banks of that river. Research the river, how old is it? Has its course changed? Did its direction change flow at one point? There are details about these beings that come into our lives that are messages for us. And the more we can open ourselves to the deeper meaning, the more the world begins to speak. When I first started this journey 25 or so years ago, It was all very confusing to me. It was obvious that the world was speaking, but I could not understand for a long time what those messages meant, but I wrote them down. And over years of dedicated focus and research and paying attention, I've begun to have a um, fluency in the symbolism of the natural world around me here where I live. And I've I've begun to understand the patterns. Right now, our forest and and lawn is absolutely full of robins. They come this time every year on their migration to enjoy the juniper berries that are hanging heavy on the cedar trees. And I remember seeing them around my children's births. Um, Both of my children are born at the end of October. And I remember laboring with my children and watching the robins. And so that pattern now is deeply embedded in me over many years of watching. And for me, robins symbolize birth because I labored watching robins. Um, they symbolize birth. They symbolize travel, new experiences, Um because of how I have engaged with those birds where I live in in my own life. So I encourage you to invite these messages in, look for them, keep a record, pay attention, and offer gratitude when you receive them. So I'm grateful for the messages of Woodpecker. And later today, I will hang a suet block out at the bird feeder as an offering of thanks. The more we offer back to the natural world from our own hearts, the louder the messages become. It's truly a weaving of energy. The web of life weaves itself into our energetic consciousness. We offer something back, like passing that energy back into the world and that thread grows tighter and that bond grows stronger. And now we are woven together Thank you for listening. Thank you for being open to these kinds of conversations. Thank you to everyone who has left reviews and sent me messages. I really love hearing from you. And I'd love to hear about your experiences with these messengers from the natural world. Thank you for joining me.